0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Isn't it great to sleep an extra hour on a Sunday morning? I was surprised that when I opened my eyes this morning that the sun was out. I thought, this is, I must be living in the wrong time zone. But uh, really, it's 10.15, if we were looking at it last week, and everybody's taking advantage of that extra hour. I want to just um, jump right into what I want to share with you this morning. Uh, I had a scripture in the back of my mind for a number of days now, and I initially wondered how it all fit into what I want to share with you. And as I've, I've studied more and more, I see how, how beautifully this puzzle piece picks, goes right into the picture. I want to start in Revelation, the third chapter, and I want to just read a couple verses. Uh, you're real familiar with these verses, but it's a good place for us to embark on our adventure in, uh, in the Spirit this morning. Revelation 3, verse 20, verse 20 to verse 22. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also came, overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Focusing a little bit on that verse, verse that we read. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and sup with you. It's an invitation, but it's it's predicated on our ability to respond to an action that the Lord is sending our way. See, there, there's two things that, that jump out in that verse. There, there's a knock, which is an irritation. You ever have a car that knocked? Oh, that's a lovely sound. But the knock draws your attention, the voice gives you identification. Now, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of, of Jesus portrayed back in the medieval days knocking on the door. Uh, if you'll notice that that picture, you see him in funeral homes a lot. There's no door handle on the outside because the artist wanted the the people that viewed his painting to realize that only you could open the door. So this morning, um, I know that this message is is certainly for some ones. I I want to talk about from. A plow to a chariot, and I'm going to start with Elijah this morning, but there's an opportunity that's that's knocking at our door. And sometimes we're irritated by it until we hear whose voice it is that's speaking to us from behind the other side. In second Kings the second chapter. I'm going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 14. We're talking a little bit about Elisha and Elijah this morning. Two contemporaries, they were quite the same, yet quite different. At this point in the scripture, the ministry of Elijah is winding down and that of Elisha has the potential to begin. Now notice, I say the potential. Up to this point in, in Elisha and Elijah's relationship, Elisha has been his servant. You know, you don't hear much about him with the miracles. You don't hear much about Elisha. Always hear about Elijah. He's always working in the background. But now that ministry is coming to an end and the Lord is knocking on Elisha's door. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elijah, Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry here, I pray thee for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elijah said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here, I pray thee. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. And hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, "Tarry, I pray, here for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And as he said, and as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they two went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Now notice where they are in their journey. They, he, Elijah's given him three opportunities not to come this far. But now he's asking, What do you want? And Eli- ask what I shall do for thee before that I be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they went on and talked, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, and the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into two pieces. I want you to just put that in the back of your memory, that he's taken his own clothes, and he's destroyed them. He took up also the mantle of Elijah and fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah went over, went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. When when we initially are introduced to Elisha, we find him in a very humble occupation, pretty common occupation, actually, farming. He's behind a plow, Uh, probably wouldn't have been chosen the leader in his class, but something inside of him had attracted him to God, and God had sent Elijah to Elisha to choose him to be his mentor. Elijah was going to be Elisha's mentor. Their backgrounds were quite different, their personalities were probably quite different. But there was something inside the heart of Elisha that attracted God. Now, we what we've just read, Elijah's made a spiritual request of Elijah. And oftentimes we we think in the term that Elijah, Elisha's asking for twice the miracles, are twice the power. If you'll notice when Elijah was taken up into heaven, Elisha cries out, my father, my father. Really, some have actually said that Elisha was actually asking for the right of the firstborn in a sense of his mentor. Let me carry on your ministry. Let me be the prophet that follows after the Allow me the double portion above and and beyond the other prophets. So it wasn't a selfish request that he was asking that he could do more and greater things than Elijah did. He was asking for that spiritual birthright that could have been his. Now, I'd like to tell you in a spiritual sense in the church that we are the sons of God. And we're the firstborn of the church And Jesus told us the things that he did we would do also and greater things than these. Now, he didn't necessarily mean that our miracles were going to be greater. What he was really saying was that the miracles that we would do would be a greater number. There were some characteristics of of Elijah, that I find very important in someone that's going to achieve any success in their relationship and in their walk for God. When I look at Elijah, he had a spirit of faith. I'm looking at Elijah first. This is his mentor. Elijah learned to trust in the presence and the power of God. How about Mount Carmel? Going up there and building an altar, and after three and a half years of no rain, and telling them that there's going to be rain on that particular day, and saying that fire's going to fall from heaven with no guarantee. You know, that's faith. Elijah had an enormous amount of faith. Now, these are characteristics that I believe Elisha is requesting. The second thing that Elijah had that was very forthcoming was, he was obedient. Remember during the famine, the Lord told him to go to the brook Cherith, and there he, the Lord would take care of him by the brook, and ravens would feed him, and he'd have water by the brook, and he was obedient, but that didn't make sense. You know, if somebody told you that uh, if you were hungry, that you needed to go out into the desert to find some food... And the animals were going to bring their food to you. And you'd probably think that was strange. But Elijah was completely obedient, even when he didn't understand the circumstances. And of course, we could go back and look at the situation with the woman of Zarephath as well. When he went there, and, and the woman had no food left. And he said, uh, if you'll do this, the Lord will do this. So he was obedient to the Lord's command. And the third, part, the third characteristic is equally as important as the previous two. It's the sphere of courage. Think about himself, possibly Elijah, entering into some of the situations that they entered into. Would you? 500 prophets of Baal, only you standing in front of them? How about Ahab and Jezebel all dressed up and decked out in their worldly apparel with their glaring eyes and their armies and soldiers surrounding Carmel, that took a lot of courage. There, see, there was there were characteristics, not just characteristics, but spiritual qualities that were in Elijah that Elijah wanted. And I when I look at my mentor, which is Christ, when I look at the gospel and I see the characteristics of courage and in the things that he did, I asked in the same manner, Lord, as you stand at my door and knock and you call my name and you give me this opportunity as the firstborn to carry on your ministry, give me a spirit of faith. Give me that same spirit of obedience that when you speak to me, that even if I don't understand what you're asking me to do, I'll do it. Give me the spirit of courage that even though the gainsayers are trying to tell me that there's no use following this old man, he's gonna leave today. And that's what the prophets were really saying. In each city, he said, why are you even following him? The minis- His ministry's over. The Lord's taken him today. Why don't you just stay where you're at and let him go on? But see, that's where courage and faith and obedience comes in. That when people try to dissuade you from getting the thing that you desire from God, that you persevere on. And again, Elijah's request was not a selfish request at all. He wasn't asking for a great name to be recognized. He realized that unless he had the presence and the power of God against Ahab, And some of those other kings, who was the other one that was at that time? I think it was Uriah, that was also reigning at the same time as Ahab. It was a very wicked time. And he's saying, God, if I am going to succeed, I'm going to need everything that I can to do it. So it's not selfish, a selfish request at all. It wasn't about pride, it was about necessity. And today, when people are actually saying, I I need the power of God in my life, and I'm seeking God, I want to see miracles, and I want to see God move in people, it's not about pride. It's about necessity, because this is the church's day. This is our last hour. Ahab is on the throne, and Jezebel's reigning beside him. And it's going to take the same spirit, that was in Elijah and Eli- later in Elisha in us to accomplish our goal. What was the condition that Elijah put on his request? The same thing that God puts on his request to us. Elijah said, Unless you see me when I depart, unless you stay with me to the very end, you will not receive that for which you're seeking. Now, did the Lord ever tell us that? He says, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. In other words, we cannot falter, hold back, go back, or give up. One of the things that Ephesians 5 and 18 could you bring that up real quick on the screen, Ephesians 5 18? Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus and he makes this comment about what we really need in our relationship. It says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, if we're going to achieve what we need to achieve in the generation that we live, we need to be filled with the anointing and the power of God. The question lies with you. When the knock comes at the door and you're irritated, how does God knock? You ever, you ever think about that. How about an illness? How about, how about some disaster in your life? That's an irritation, isn't it? Gets your attention, it bothers you. You ever have a phone call at two in the morning and it's the wrong number? Yes, it's you, he first gets your attention through the irritation. But if you stop and listen to what's behind the knock, you'll recognize the voice But then the Lord says, it's not enough just to recognize that I'm giving you a vision. See, that's where we make our mistake. We we get the vision. We know Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission. But the Lord says, unless you open the door into your life for me to enter in, I can't accomplish in you what I could We can try to remember all the great men of the past, Faust, and I could name numbers of people, or Brother Urshan, but we're living today. We need our own anointing. We need our the manifestation of God in our church. One of the things that I admire about Elijah is he manifested a steadfast resolve. There wasn't anybody that was going to convince him that he wasn't going all the way. I'm, I don't care what you guys say. What, oh, the prophets could have followed. The prophets knew what was happening. But the prophets stayed in the cities where they were because they were comfortable. And you know what? It happens in the church too. Because lots of people know what's happening on, in the world. We have our Bibles, we read our Bibles, we know what God wants, and there's lots of people that can stand up and they can quote the scriptures, but they're not willing to make the trip to where the place where the power of God's dispensed. And again, I I point out that opposition did not shake Elisha's resolve. I look at some of the great men that that preceded or followed after Elisha like, The three Hebrew children. The opposition. They they manifested the same three characteristics of Elijah. Elijah. They were willing to go all the way. And how about Daniel and Paul? And don't forget Jesus himself. How he was willing to go to the limit for the mission. Now, let me point out some of the cities that he had an opportunity to stay at because they're significant. There's four places where Elijah told Elisha he could stay. Those four cities represent different areas in our life where we can just set up our camp. We can set up our tent, or as some say, it, move our van down by the river and just park there. The first one was Gilgal. Does Gilgal strike anything in your mind? Do you know that Gilgal was the first city that the Israelites uh, celebrated the Passover after they passed over the Jordan? That was the place of the beginning in, in the promised land. Gilgal was the first city of beginning. That's where all the males were circumcised in Gilgal. It was a place of identification and beginning. And some people in their life for God, when they get saved, that's where they stop. They have opportunity to stop at the beginning. They come in, um, they they give their life to God, and they they go through a Bible study, and they're content there. And the second city that they went to was Bethel. Well, remember what Bethel's significant for? Sure, with Jacob. That's the place of dreams. That's where he saw the staircase ascending into heaven with angels descending and ascending. It's it's a place of of dreams and vision. And and some people, they make it through the first stage in their walk for God and they come to the stage of dreams, but they never do anything about their dream. They, They never put any action into their vision. And they're content to dream about what they could be. Oh, someday I'll be a preacher. Or someday, you know what, maybe I'll teach a Bible someday. I got this vision of of things that could happen. But they never make it past the vision or the dream. Now, some people actually make it past the vision and they make it to the third city, which was Jericho. And this is where Elijah said to Elisha, why don't you just stay In Jericho. Well, what's significant about Jericho? That was their first great conquest when they came over Jordan. That was a great, major, awesome victory. The walls fell flat. They conquered the city. And some people are content just to relish in the fact that they did achieve things in their life. Well, I've done, I've taught my Bible studies. I've pastored or I've done this, and I'm content just to stay where I am presently and not go any further. So they just stay with their their past achievements. Oh, but the fourth one this is the tough one. Now, remember, there, there were 50 prophets that followed Elijah and Elisha when they came to the Jordan, but they stood on the other side of Jordan. You notice that? The 50 stood there, but they would not cross over Jordan with Elisha and Elijah. The Jordan represented death itself. They were actually leaving the land of promise, going back over the Jordan into the wilderness. And a lot of people don't like to leave the familiar or the land of blessing and go into a place where there was struggle, and so they just, they just stay on the other side and they watch others go. So none of these obstacles shook his resolve. One of the things that I, I really took note of was Elijah, Elisha, after he watched Elijah taken up, Notice the chariot came between them. The chariot separated them. Elijah was caught up into the chariot, and the chariot probably went up into the in the sky and, and disappeared. And the very first thing that Elisha does is, is he catches the cloak. The cloak is, is the identification of the prophet. That's his that's his spiritual anointing. That's the type of the Holy Spirit. But what Elijah, Elisha does is he takes his old cloak. And it says it rip. he rips it in four pieces. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. When I take on this mission, and when I am filled with God's Spirit... I destroy my old identity. I have been purchased with a price. I am a new creature in Christ. My mission, my goal, my identity. The cloak, Elisha's cloak was his identity or the anointing of God was his identity. So he comes across, he comes to the Jordan. Where is the God of Elijah? And he takes the cloak and he sees that the anointing that was upon Elijah was upon him and the water separated. And he walked over on dry ground. What about the 50 prophets? They're watching all this happen. The 50 prophets have watched them cross and now two went and one comes back and one's got the mantle. Couldn't they have played a part in this? Weren't they prophets of God? You know, see, there's a lot of people that like sending other people to do the work. They're willing, they're willing and content to watch the action and, and not really be involved or participate in what, the event. But when Elisha came across he came across with the same anointing that Elijah, Elijah had. Do you know how many miracles we have recorded for Elijah? Fourteen. Do you know how many miracles we have recorded for Elisha? Double portion. Now do the math. Somebody say it. Great. I thought you were getting your calculators out. 28 You know what we're here today in 2013 we have the same opportunity that elisha has the bible says you have not chosen me i have chosen you in other words if we believe the scripture you being in this place this morning was not necessarily all your choice because the God, God, God's Spirit led you from darkness into His marvelous light. He's called you for a purpose. You heard Him knocking at your door. You opened the door. He came in and you supped with Him. But that's just the beginning of the commission. Can you make it through the four cities? Can you make it past your new birth? Can you make it past the infant stage? Can you can you go through the stage of dreams? I have dreams, we all dream. I remember dreaming when I was at Bible college of preaching to people and and watching them receive the Holy Ghost and and you know what? Praise God, I've seen that dream. But dreams were meant to be lived. And not just thought about. And stop going back to the Jerichos of, well, you know what, I've done enough already. You know, I was a Sunday school teacher for 15 years. Praise God, I've paid my price, I paid my dues. I'm done with that stuff. You're living in Jericho. You're still in the third city. You're, you're telling me about your past victories. What about making it to the last city today? What about going all the way to Jordan and watching God open up a way for you to cross through a barrier that nobody else wants to cross? And you know what? It's a lonely place. It really is. Only two men crossed the Jordan. I'm sure there was plenty of time for the 50 if they wanted to cross as well. But sometimes you have to make the walk. By yourself, but you know what? The anointing of God and the blessings of God on your ministry make it well worth the cost. Elisha was a wonderful man of God, and I, I really and I'll have to close. I have to have something humorous in here a little bit because I don't want to be too serious. I always like the bear part. Remember the bear part? Elisha came back and. They started to mock his bald head. And he sent the bears after him. I think that was a little bit carnal moment, though, on his part. (laughs) But anyways, this morning, what an opportunity. The Lord's standing there. He's knocking. He's giving us opportunity. Let's go all the way. Let's leave our plows in the pit, in ashes, and let's go on with Christ. Thank you for allowing me to share this thought with you this morning. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.